everybody. This is the Never Heard of It podcast. I'm Sean Horrible. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us, of course. And uh, I have to thank the other person that does this with me. Say hello to my co-host and co-collegiate athlete, Craig Moorhead. Craig, say hello. Hi, I'm Craig Moorhead, and I'm saying hello. Sean, uh, how are you? I'm pretty good, man. How are you doing? It's uh, September, right? So we're yeah. uh, we're inching our way towards fall. Kids are in school. It's... Uh, it's like it's a whole different year, isn't it? It is. It is. You know, as parents, the the year ends and begins in completely different places than for everybody else, I feel like. <laughs> in their whole calendar. I feel like it starts yeah. and stops like three times a year, honestly. Yeah. But yes, you're right, Sean. You're right. Uh, we are hurtling ever faster toward the end of time. But I think we're going to enjoy a nice fall this year. I'm looking forward to it. I don't know. 2019 has kind of a cool ring to it, you know? It does. It does. That might be a good year. Could be, but you oh. know I like the years that end in nine. Those I think are always kind of fun. That's what I'm. That's what I'm counting on anyway, Craig. Fair enough, man. I'm on board. As you know, if you're listening to this, you you probably found us easily. But if you need further help, go to neverheardpodcast.com. That has links to everywhere you need to go, or you can just hang out there and listen to all the episodes right there in the dang website. How cool is that? So cool. I mentioned before. If you get the AnyPod skill for your Alexa, you can have Alexa fire mm. up one of our Toasty Podcast episodes. Oof. Keep yourself warm. Craig, I've been told this is the podcast where we talk about the movies that fall through the cracks, and you True. picked our movies today. But before we get to that, last month we talked about Forbidden World and Dark Star. Uh, we've had some time to reflect upon those two sci-fi masterpieces of different ilk. If I had a knife pointed right at your butt cheek right now and made you pick one to watch again, uh, which one are you going with? Well, Sean, I've been in that situation before, and <laughs> really? I can tell you okay. right now, yeah, it happens more often than you might think. <laughs> okay, I, I, I just figured that was probably like a completely hypothetical scenario, Mm-mm. but no, okay. Mm-mm. No, I, th- I think I'm, I'm pretty, pretty well in the uh, column of Forbidden World. Yeah, me too. Isn't that weird? It, yeah, I mean... It is. I yeah. wouldn't have pegged I, I, that going in. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. Between the two, between the like the different pedigrees of those movies, but uh, yeah, I'm actually I, I actually have taken up the challenge of cutting down Dark Star. Oh, that's exciting. To see, you know, what it looks like at you know I don't know half an hour maybe. Yeah, I think that's a good length to shoot for. Yeah, we'll see. Awesome. But yeah, I just I I, I don't think I'd want to sit through that again. I think it's it's a much better experience the first time you watch it. Probably than the second time you watch it. Could be. Whereas uh, Forbidden World, I mean... I feel like I could watch that again right now. I, I, I honestly could do. definitely you know? watch it again. Yeah. So it sounds like you're in the same boat. I'm in the same boat. So thank you, yeah. Peter Fedek, for making that yeah. suggestion. And uh, if you're out there and you want to make a suggestion, we got a couple recently. Thank you. And uh, keep them coming. We'll get to them eventually. Yes, we will. So Craig, you're picking the movies this month. You already picked them. Today we're talking about college from mm-hmm. 1927. We're going into the silent era. I'm excited about that. Uh, why did you pick this particular movie? Then I think you're going to tell us about who made it. Yeah, well, you know, this is traditionally the time of year. Probably our listeners don't know this when school starts up. Tell me more. Yeah, uh, schools of all kinds usually start up around this time, hmm. but not summer school, but we can. Yeah. That doesn't matter. Or year round school. They don't count anyway. Right, or schools that never stop. Yeah. But so, so I figured what we do this month is we'd focus on a couple of movies 
that deal with people in schools so maybe we can get a better understanding of what school is uh-huh. and what it can do. I like it. Colleges, which is what we're going to talk about uh, today. And then uh, the, the other movie we're going to watch is Hiding Out, a 1987 movie starring John Cryer. I'm excited. For obvious reasons. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I had not heard of that one. College sounded familiar just because it's called college. But <laughs> Yeah, I've heard that word a thousand times. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen a frame to my knowledge. Maybe it will trigger some memories when I sit down to watch it. So yeah. Let's talk about who made this. We will, right now. So, college, 1927. That's a long time ago, Sean. Whew, man. Yeah. Yeah, almost 100 years. We're getting close, you know? Very close to 100 years. Who's making movies 100 years ago? Well, director James W. Horn, who directed a ton of shorts hmm. from 1915 to 1935. He did a couple of Laurel and Hardy features way out west in The Bohemian Girl. Nice. So, you know. No slouch. Yeah. And I believe this was his only Buster Keaton movie. And Buster Keaton is uncredited as a director. He did some directing as well. Right. Things were a little looser back then. (laughs) Pretty much anyone could just walk behind the camera and start shouting orders. Yeah. You just get that giant megaphone. Yeah. that's. I mean, I know. Once you get that out of the guy's hand. Yeah, and a hat. And you're a director. (laughs) Maybe some... uh, what are the what are the pants and a riding crop? What pantaloons? Why is that? Yeah. yeah side side note. <laughs> why is the riding gear like a director thing? How did that become a director like stereotype? There's got to be at least one prominent director who wore that get up. So maybe that'll be our yeah. research to do when we actually sit down and talk about this this movie in full next time. But yeah, that's, that's a good, a good question to to track down because you're absolutely right. It's, it's out yeah. there as a, as a parody. It is. It is. Uh, so writers, they had writers 100 years ago. Mm. Carl Harbaugh, who, mm-hmm, who wrote uh, Steamboat Bill Jr., another Buster Keaton extravaganza. Gotcha. And uh, The Bohemian Girl, the Laurel and, ha- uh, Laurel and Hardy movie that James W. Horn directed. And the other writer was Brian Foy, who only had 10 credits as a writer. But 244 credits as a producer between 1944 and 1963. Lord. Yeah. He's like the Roger Corman of the 20s. Yeah. 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 A a lot of those are shorts. Yeah. You know, shorts were so much more popular than now. I kind of love to actually see a short before a movie now. Besides like Pixar, obviously they they give us stuff. Well, and this movie uh, is only 106 minutes long. So it's not like. True. You know, we're not sitting through Titanic here. Yeah, but I gladly would. Buster Keaton's Titanic, that'd be great. (laughs) I would. I would definitely watch that. Yeah, anyway, sorry. Titanic falls on him. Yeah. Produced by Joseph M. Schenck, Mm -hmm. which is a name I think, once you have that name, you're going to be a producer. Yeah. You don't have much choice in the matter. He seems to be uh, pretty much Keaton's producer. Okay. Produced the general, also has a lot of uncredited movies. And I noticed this. Throughout the credits of this movie, like pretty much across the spectrum, including specifically the cast, everyone seems to be completely uncredited. I'm assuming that has something to do with the fact that maybe there just weren't credits for everyone at the time. I didn't oh, really there, look there deeply into that. There definitely weren't, yeah. It, it just seemed weird to me, especially in the, the actors I would go into. Who was it? Well, we'll talk about Anne Cornwall in a second, but okay. she has a lengthy IMDb credits page, and every single one is uncredited. And I was like, boy, that's wow. a harsh time. Okay, yeah. So Schenck uh, doing good work. We have two DPs, all right? Got two directors Jeez, of photography. Please. I know, right? Burt Haynes and Dev Jennings. I mean, two names that... I feel like are only coming out of the silent era. 
Yeah. Right? So they had one on one side, the other guy on the other side, and they both were just cranking the camera with those little... Exactly. Yeah, okay. Just don't stop. Yeah. Whatever you do. <laughs> Got to catch that physical comedy. You do. You do. Can you imagine if you miss something? Oh, man. Yeah. <sighs> but they both shot the general and Steamboat Bill Jr. And Dev Jennings shot the public enemy, okay. the James Cagney movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he was kind of stepping out into some... Noir territory. Pretty nice stuff. Yeah. Our editor, Sean, is Sherman Kell, who edited Steamboat Bill Jr. A lot of people from Steamboat Bill. Yeah. Uh, he also edited The General, but he was uncredited. And again, I just say, well, yeah. I mean, clearly people are just not being credited in general. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Our cast. Let's talk about the cast. Buster Keaton plays a son. That's, his, that's the role. He's been in everything that Buster Keaton was in. Mm-hmm. And Cornwall, again, the girl. I didn't uh, recognize a lot of, uh, of her credits. Uh, we have Harold Goodwin, who plays a rival. Uh, he was in All Quiet on the Western Front. The Boy Who Cried Werewolf, which I am interested in seeing. Yeah. Never heard of that. And some episodes of Gunsmoke. Oh, oh, th- this is a great name. Snitz Edwards. I love it. I saw that in some stuff that I was researching. Yeah, and I was like, oh, man. Yes! Snitz. 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 Old Snitz, he played the Dean. Sorry, I'm burping. No, that's good. While you're burping, I just want to pause for a second to acknowledge how great it is that in the times of silent cinema, you didn't really have to give the characters names because people aren't really saying their names on screen. So they can just be, oh, yeah, that's the girl. Hey, look, there's the Dean. Well, he's a rival, obviously. (laughs) mother right you know it's not to slight them as far as their role yeah, i'm looking at this on imdb and cornwall is the first person you see there and you know her character's yeah. the girl like obviously today that would mean you're in the movie for a fraction of a second and you don't <laughs> right. have a line so right. uh different times you're the girl yeah. who walked by yeah yeah anyway yeah and and, and i guess you know it really at the time exactly like it's silent so you got to be able to get this character across totally visually so yeah you know, the dean is, you know, he's going to look dean. like a dean. That crew coach, definitely looking like a crew coach. <laughs> but old Snitz, uh, he was in Phantom of the Opera Ooh. and the Public Enemy. Yeah, he was mm. in some high dollar stuff. Yeah. With a name like Snitz, though. <laughs> Doors are just going to be opening. Snitz and Shank, they should have gone into business. Uh, a Snitz Shank production, yeah. It's another evening of Snitz and Shank quality. <laughs> Carl Harbaugh, who you may know from the movie College, mm-hmm. he's the writer. We talked about him a second ago. Oh, that's ago. right. I forgot that, yeah. actually. Thank you yeah. for reminding me. You're welcome. Uh, he's all, he's in the movie. He plays the crew coach. Okay. He was also in White Heat, another Cagney movie, mm-hmm. and a Errol Flynn movie. And I just love the title, They Died With Their Boots On. Yeah, it's a good title. Yeah. And also an Iron Maiden song, if I'm not mistaken. You're gonna die, die with your boots on. Oh, that makes sense. I think yeah. So, yeah. Anyway. And finally, I have Florence Turner, who plays a mother. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, she was in. Uh, she's a bit older, so she's in some of the classics of that day that were considered classics in 1927. So she was in East is East and Far from the Matting Crowd. Okay. Uh, from 1915. I believe that's been remade recently, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Sean. That's all I have for the people behind the scenes who are providing this entertainment to us. I wonder, um, just as an aside, why she's credited as a mother, Buster Keaton's credited as a son, a rival, versus the rival. Like, are there other moms in this movie? The mother. Because the girl, the dean, I don't know. There certainly seem to be other mothers in it, 
but yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. If you're, I can understand the dean. There aren't going to be more. There's not going to be more than sure. the dean. Yeah. But you would think he's the son because he's the person you're watching. <laughs> yeah. So it's know the general, I guess. <laughs> exactly. But speaking of the general, actually, I just, you know, briefly was thinking about the fact that when you first talked about this movie, I was thinking it was a, a Harold Lloyd movie. And I was like, oh, yeah, I've, I just watched Safety Last a couple years ago, and that movie blew me away, like, uh, hysterical, just yeah. amazing to watch. And I was like, oh, no, Buster Keaton is a completely different person than the one in my head, and I'm not, I'm not positive I've ever seen a Buster Keaton movie. I, maybe I've seen The General. Oh, really? I'm happy to at least begin to remedy that. Cause, and then I was just looking at his Wikipedia page here, and Ebert, pointed out that because he directed so much of his stuff, there was a period from 1920 to 29, quote, where he worked without interruption on a series of films that make him arguably the greatest actor-director in the history of movies. So that's a pretty yeah. high praise indeed. And then Orson Welles said The General was cinema's highest achievement in comedy and perhaps the greatest film ever made. It is quite good. I, I, I'd be surprised if you that you got through school without watching that. I remember that being like... I, yeah, I don't know. I just don't remember viewing. it, you know? I don't remember yeah. it, so I'll have to go back to it even if I did see it. But yeah, speaking of, very first thing I found about the production of this movie was that it was made kind of in response to The General, which was obviously well-revered, but proved unpopular, actually, uh, at the box office. So college seemed a much safer gamble to take mm-hmm. and perhaps correct his level of popularity at the box office and we'll mm-hmm. get into that but uh as far as the uncredited directing thing here so i guess buster keaton did an interview with an author named kevin brownlow and said that he directed almost all of this movie craig and that james w horn did virtually none of it that's a sweet gig Keaton said that his business manager talked him into using Horn, but that Horn proved, quote, absolutely worthless to me. I don't know why we had him, end quote. Wow. Carl Harbaugh, one of the screenwriters who also was in this movie, which makes this quote even more uncomfortable, Keaton said, quote, he wasn't a good gag man, he wasn't a good title writer, and he wasn't a good story constructionist. But I had to put somebody's name up, and he was on salary with us. (laughs) Wow. Harsh. He's harsh. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I guess Buster really is a, a guy who liked to work, kind of do everything himself. Yeah, I think that comes through, yeah. apparently. Uh, but some of that was found on a site called silenceargolden.com, and uh, they had some neat stuff up there if you're interested in checking it out. Uh, I'm going to do a quick little tidbit, though, that I found that was kind of interesting on this Kevin Brownlow guy, the author that interviewed him who is sort of a noted expert on silent film. He wrote a book called The Parade's Gone By. He did several documentary series and features on classic Hollywood. But he also made a movie himself that he started when he was 18 with his 16-year-old friend. It took him eight years. And this isn't like in the 60s, I think. Well, shoot, I forgot to write down the date. But I think it's around that time. Uh, It's called It Happened Here. It was sort of like a what-if movie about if the Nazis had conquered Britain. And after Mm. the eight years it took them to make it, they actually got distribution by United Artists. There was some re-editing that happened due to complaints from various people about the content. They made zero money on it because UA said, uh, well, you know, what it made at the box office, we actually spent on advertising and distribution. So that old thing. 
Uh, but he wrote a book about that whole experience called How It Happened Here, which sounds like it would be an amazing read. Yeah. Back to college. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, at the time that this movie was made, UCLA was not even built, but USC was. It was a very small campus at that time, and there was only a handful of buildings. So this movie, and there's a direct connection here to a Harold Lloyd movie called The Freshman, which came out two years earlier. Uh, both of them actually filmed in pretty much the exact same location. Uh, the grounds of a place called Exposition Park, which sounds familiar, which is across the street from USC. They also shot at the LA County Natural History Museum. And there is a locker room in this movie that is at Bovard Field, which was on campus. And sure enough, that's in both this and The Freshman. So some overlap huh. there. There is apparently some confusion about whether or not a scene filmed of Buster Keaton playing football in this movie and later removed, mm. perhaps because of the closeness to Harold Lloyd's movie where he plays football in The Freshman. It said that no footage of that has surfaced, but there are production stills of him wearing a football uniform. And there's two moments in this movie, Craig, where mm -hmm. it's somewhat suggested that football would have been part of it. Maybe you can look for him. I can quiz you on that next time. I just assumed there would be football. Now it's, I think it's more of a baseball thing, which I'm going to get to as well. Now here's the ultimate Fair bit enough. of irony. So Lloyd and Keaton both made college movies, college sports. I'm sure they were rivals to a degree. Neither one of them actually ever went to college. <laughs> and I can only assume that they are mindless idiots. No. They could be. Keaton, obviously known for doing many of his own stunts, like a lot of the gag men in this era. Uh, there's a moment where he's going to pole vault in this movie, Craig, and that's one of the only stunts in his entire career that he did not do himself. Really? Yeah. I don't know. I guess he was scared. Huh. I wonder if it'll actually be funny. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. So look for the body double. This movie came out August 6, 1927 in San Francisco. It later moved on to L.A. and New York and then was everywhere else in November. Uh, listen to these glorious taglines, Craig. I got two of them for you. First mm. one is in all caps. Hey, hey, that's it. That's the tagline. Oh, that is. <laughs> that gets your attention. Just shouting at you. Uh, the second one has a little more to it. You'll graduate with a perpetual smile. <sighs> good one, right? That is. That is. That lets me know that there's a lot of comedy on the way. <laughs> or just smiling. Maybe there's just a lot of smiling. Maybe, yeah. Maybe it's just a grin. <laughs> um, in Germany and Austria, this movie was called Buster Keaton, Der Student, which makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. In Denmark, and someone will have to help me out with this, because it's on IMDb, and I question if this is a typo. They have that it was called Buster Som, S-O-M, Sports Idiot. And sports idiot is all one word. I didn't look up the translation of that because I just want it to mean sports idiot uh, in some capacity. But if sports idiot is some <laughs> Danish word, or, uh, I would love to know. <laughs> and uh, in Croatia, it was simply called sportas. How is that spelled? S-P-O-R-T-A-S. I think there's some, okay. uh, some punctuation Z. over one of the letters, if I recall. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it was. Also from silenceargolden.com, yes, the movie earned $423,000. I did not find the budget. The response was mixed. 
I think both by the general public and the reviewers. Mm-hmm. Variety was pretty harsh. Quote, strong arm comedy here is only partly effective. Buster Keaton's odd twist of indirect humor never get a chance to function. So determined have the scenario writer and director been to get on a series of gags that would be foolproof. Which there's some, you know, interesting things there if Keaton himself was the director and the writer and the actor. Anyway, continuing on, instead of leaving the laughs to come from this genuinely funny comedian's pantomime, they seek to make assurance double sure by turning out a slapstick picture on the theory that the mob always falls for stencil humor. Stencil humor? Yeah, I don't know. I think that's a 1927 thing that is (laughs) beyond me. Fair enough. Uh, New York Times, also not too, not too nice, said, uh, quote, There is such a thing as a character, even in a farce, being so outrageously stupid that he seems more to be sympathized with than laughed at. Keaton himself strives to be funny, but his actions are so frightfully absurd that it strikes one that the character he plays never ought to be out of an asylum. <laughs> That's just not nice. Ooh. You know? No. No. But, uh, you know, others were, were not too bad. Harrison's reports, which I don't know what that is, but it was around September 17th, 1927. Quote, an excellent entertainment. It is, in fact, a better comedy than any of those that Mr. Keaton has produced in the last three years. There are laughs all the way through. And uh. since its release, obviously, like a lot of these movies, there's plenty of fans and plenty of ink spilled in its favor. Colin Fleming at Salon in 2017 said quote the best movie i've ever watched about what it means to head off to a university full of hopes fears and a burgeoning sense of love in your heart that that sounds nice right wow yeah in an hour yeah in an hour and six minutes um of course a lot of the criticism of this movie involves Harold Lloyd's a freshman. Um, It's kind of impossible not to compare the two, I guess. Mm -hmm. It seems like the prevailing consensus is that the freshman is is the better of the two. Mm -hmm. Uh, Historian William Everson, an American silent film, wrote, Keaton's College inevitably trespasses on the territory of Lloyd's the freshman, but there is no sense of duplication, not least because Lloyd's external optimist produces different motivations and gags than Keaton's permanent pessimist. Maybe this is a pessimism that makes people think freshman is better. I don't know. Another critic, Walter Kerr, said, College is weak, Keaton, because for the most part, it could have been just as well done by Harold Lloyd, which that's just mean, you know? Man. I know. Yeah. Which doesn't, I mean, that just makes you wonder, like, what people are going to be writing 100 years from now about, like, Adam Sandler and Kevin James movies, right? Yeah, and I can't wait to read those. Uh, Hopefully we'll still be ticking in our our cryogenic freezers. Mm. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. But lastly, uh, a little bit of trivia here. And A, I was amazed that there, I don't know, I I figured I would just find an immediate overload of material about this movie. And I didn't. I didn't. I'm sure a lot of it's in print from eras that uh, those articles have not yet made it to the Internet. But hopefully Mm -hmm. someone's scanning them right now. But Keaton was a noted baseball fanatic. Uh, His production company was, in fact, quote, an ever-ready baseball team prepared to start a game on a moment's notice reported Tom Dardis, who was a biographer. Quote, that moment would often come whenever a production problem arose that seemed to defy immediate solution. Buster would officially declare that a game was in order. If someone had an inspiration halfway through it, the shooting would resume. (laughs) And uh, he also concluded his lunch breaks, apparently, with uh, ball games on a field constructed on the lot of MGM. Half the crew would go. 
Uh, and there were usually problems afterward getting everybody back, recalled Willard Sheldon. And uh, <laughs> there were rumors that Louis B. Mayer was considering adding a no baseball clo- clause to Keaton's contract. <laughs> oh, And he himself, that's pretty awesome. the man himself said each September, and this is from his autobiography, I did my best to finish my fall pitcher in time to go to New York for the World Series. So, yeah, big, big fan. <laughs> Lastly, Craig, we'll wrap this up. We'll do the usual thing. IMDB, I, you can probably imagine that what they suggested in their more like this category were 12 other Buster Keaton movies. Again, uh, not yes. too imaginative, but that's fine. No. Uh, and on this day, August 6, 1927, here's some interesting stuff. The forerunner to the breathalyzer was first demonstrated by the Professor Rala H. Harger of Indiana U, who invented it. He patented it in 1938 as the drunkometer to be used by police, which I thought wow, was funny. 1938. Yeah. yeah. And then on the third, which is when the movie played in Los Angeles, I believe, uh, Tony DiCapua came home from work. Craig shot and killed his wife, his four daughters, two grandchildren, and a neighbor in Youngstown, Ohio. He wounded his daughter-in-law, a passerby, and a policeman. He was eventually ruled incompetent, stand trial, and sent to the Ohio Hospital for the Criminally Insane. Uh, I mean, that sounds like it wrapped up in the right way then. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, uh, you know, people have been uh, not good for a long time, it seems. Yeah, you always, yeah, no. You can always find those it's if you not dig. To, not just now, yeah. Uh, and then the day before this premiered in, I believe, New York... Universal released the first Walt Disney animated short film, Trolley Troubles, which stars Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, who would, in quick fashion, be replaced by none other than Mickey Mouse. But I didn't, I didn't know about Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. You ever heard of that? I didn't. I thought you were going to actually say Steamboat Willie, and then I was wondering, is there a something you know between steamboat bill and steamboat willie or whatever Yeah, that's but... a good point i don't know we're looking at too but yeah i guess oswald yeah. could have been uh could have been all over disney world it just didn't didn't Man. play out for the rabbit wonder where oswald is today He's dead craig oh Jesus. tony DiCaprio shot his ass yeah probably yeah. you're right uh that's it that's all i got that was a lot of little stuff i'm sure there are tomes filled with further information on this movie and, and keaton himself if you're out there and you've read one of those tomes and you know something else interesting about the man in this movie, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, please let us know. Raise your voice, please. <laughs> Craig, that was pretty good. I'm not, I don't think I'm going to put you on the spot for any last words here. We'll just end on Thank that you. note. Yeah, I was hoping. Yeah, you're off the hook. We'll be back next time to talk about this movie in full, and it is streaming right now on Amazon Prime. If you're a subscriber, if you're not, it's readily out there on the internet i think the internet archive in fact has it and uh i don't know who knows it may be in public domain at this point but you can find it easily go watch it it'll take you an hour and then come listen to us talk about it Word. Bye. 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 Bye.